Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? De Niro B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, I'm here with Brittany Hodak. Brittany is an award-winning entrepreneur, author, and customer experience speaker who has delivered keynotes across the globe to organizations including American Express and the United Nations. She has worked with some of the world's biggest brands and entertainers, including Walmart, Disney, Katy Perry, and Dolly Parton. She founded and scaled an entertainment startup to eight figures before exiting, and her debut book, Creating Superfans, will be in stores on January 10th, 2023. I'm very excited for this chat, so let's get right into it. Brittany, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I ask every one of my guests to tell us what they were doing before uh, they started their business. What made you become an entrepreneur? Well, you know, I I am something of an accidental entrepreneur, as so many are. I launched my first business about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And immediately before that, I was working at an advertising agency. And I just was really unhappy because my ideas weren't being heard and considered. And I finally thought, you know, if if the people who own this agency aren't going to listen to my ideas, maybe I'll just go start my own agency and 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 see if these ideas are as good as I think they might be. And my very first corporate client was Walmart. And with wow. the support of Walmart, I was able to get so many amazing clients and partners on board in a relatively short period of time. So I built an eight-figure business in less than two years and had a blast doing it because I was working with stars like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift and several other of the, the the hugest entertainers in the world. So it was a lot of fun, but completely an accident. That's very interesting. And it's not every day that you hear someone building a business like that one in such, you know, such a short period of time. So if you, of course, there's a million things that probably contributed to your success, but if you were to point out a couple of good moves that you made early on in your entrepreneurial career, when you decided to go all in with your agency, what would they be and why? I would say one really important one was identifying the key decision makers. You know, it doesn't matter if 58 people at a company tell you yes, if they're not the ultimate decision maker. So I was always trying to figure out who I needed to tell me yes for whatever it was that I needed, whether that was a prospective client or partner or investor or, you know, whatever, trying to figure out whose yes has the potential to change my life in a significant way. And then going all in on that, because again, it it takes just as long to convince the wrong person that you're the right fit as it does mm-hmm. to convince the right person that you're the right fit. So rather than being in a situation where you're depending on three or four levels of people inside an organization to 
retell your story and hopefully get to the decision maker, just figure out how to get to the decision maker yourself. And you have a much higher likelihood of getting to yes, much faster. That's, that's fantastic. Um, I wanted to know when it comes down to finding the good decision maker, it's also, I guess, about finding the right types of prospects that you want to work with. You hear all the time, follow the money. There is a lot of people that have great services, but they are just trying to sell them to businesses or, or verticals that are not doing that well. So would that be one of the, you know, one of the key factors also in, in having a successful launch of your business? Oh yeah. You've got to get super clear in your value proposition, what it is that separates you from all of your competitors, both real and perceived and future. Um, What is it that you are the best in the world at? Because if you don't know that, if you don't know what it is that you are uniquely positioned to do to improve the lives or businesses of your prospects and customers, then they're never going to be able to figure it out. And I think a lot of times, especially over the past decade or so, as we've really sort of seen the entrepreneur celebrated in our culture in a way that wasn't really culturally a thing, you know, Mm -hmm. 15 years ago. Um, I I think that so many people are like, oh, I'm going to start a business and and I'll Mm -hmm. figure out the details later, but I'll do anything. I just want to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, And while I, you know, admire the hustle, I always say like, if you, if you don't know what you're the best at, you're, you're going to constantly be competing as a commodity. Mm-hmm. You're going to be trying to win on price. You're going to be trying to win on time and you're going to be jumping around to different clients in different areas of focus constantly because you don't know what you do and you don't know what you're best at. And, you know, a lot of young entrepreneurs um, have been in the position where when you're trying to you know, grow your business and get new clients. And somebody's like, do you do this? And you just say yes. And then you figure it out because you're like, oh, I really want this business or I really want this money. And while that's okay for for a minute until you kind of figure out your uniqueness, it's not a sustainable business model. Um, And what can happen is you confuse the marketplace about who you are and what you do. Nobody knows you as being the best at one thing or a couple of things. And when you're not the best at anything, uh, again, you're going to just be kind of competing in that commodity space of you're just another potential partner to help with X, Y, or Z. For sure. For sure. And that actually takes me to my following question about your uh, book, Creating Superfans. I wanted to know more, what are superfans and how do they kind of fit into this model that you were just talking about? Yeah, well, thank you so much for asking. I have a book called Creating Superfans. It'll be out in January. And a superfan is a customer who creates more customers. It's someone whose experience with you is so enjoyable that they're going to come back and tell their friends. And the reason they're important is because when you have a super fan customer, they are no longer comparing you on the basis of price. They're no longer comparing you on the basis of who's going to be able to get this done because you've proven to them that there are more important things than those kind of surface commodity measures. And the reason that super fans are so important is because they exist in every facet of the economy. They drive so much of the business today. And because of this connected world that we're living in, 
everyone is an influencer now. Like you're mm -hmm. an influencer. I'm an influencer. The person listening to this podcast is an influencer. Every single one of us has people who will either make a decision or decide not to do something based solely on our recommendation, based solely on us saying, yes, yes this was great or, hey, this was terrible. And so treating every customer as if they alone are in control of the future of your business sounds overwhelming, but it's really just a, a paradigm shift and a mind shift to this idea of customer centricity and this idea of, you know, word of mouth marketing, which has been around since the beginning of the planet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And actually, this is even super relevant right now with TikTok and even uh, reels and how the algorithm is working. You don't need to have a million followers to get 50, 20, uh, 50 to 100,000 views on your videos, on your content. You just need to have relevant video. And so if someone is one of your clients and they just happen to put out content regarding you know, your, uh, your business and your services, it's only going to be a matter of time until uh, they're going to be able, like you said, to, to bring so much business to you. Um, the book is coming out on January 10th. That's so uh, funny because my book is actually coming out on January 15th. And so I know that we're doing all the work up front to, to promote the book. And I want to ask you actually, how is your speaking business? Um, you know, how does it plug in into this whole ecosystem of, of your personal brand? Yeah, well, so my speaking business has really kind of become the the center of my brand. I told you I became an entrepreneur by accident. I also became a speaker by accident. Um, I was on Shark Tank several years ago and I was cast. Nice. Like I literally got a call from a casting producer one day who read a story about me in Forbes and invited me on the show. And I went on the show. And at the time, the investments that I got represented the highest ever valuation for a female owned company. Um, mm -hmm. The valuation was around four or $5 million at the time. And yeah. so I started getting a lot of speaking requests and yeah. I discovered that I really loved keynote speaking because I was able to reach so many people at a time and really help them think about this idea of creating super fans and putting your customers first. So that's really become the focus. I sold the majority of my equity in the company that I founded four years ago so that I could focus mm -hmm. solely on keynote speaking. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to get in front of hundreds of thousands of people since then. And, you know, I'm so excited with this book because for years, people have been asking for it. Like when I'm done speaking, they're like, okay, <laughs> what now? Like, do you have a book? Do you have a course? And I've never offered anything directly to consumers before. It's always just been trainings for businesses or mm -hmm. um, keynotes to big organizations or large events. So I'm so excited to have this book. And I think with any personal brand, everything sort of ladders up to the same message when things are when things are done correctly, right? And in my yes. case, that's this idea of creating super fans. What can you do to be super? What can you do to create super fans, people who choose you at the exclusion of everyone else? And so my role in creating content, whether that's in a book or on stage or on a podcast or anywhere else, is mm -hmm. really trying to help people, you know, lean into their uniqueness and their greatness to figure out how they are positioned to better serve the people around them. That's fantastic. So here at the Remote CEO Show, we try to kind of mm, look at how entrepreneurs were able to build successful businesses, um, possibly 
remotely as well. So can you take us back to when you started your agency? You said you scaled to eight figures in two years. Like I'm sure that you had a lot of work to do when it comes to team building and operations. So how did that work out for you? Did you do it all in an office? Was it a hybrid? Uh, it was hybrid. So for the first couple of years, we were completely remote. Um, about two and a half years. It was myself, my co-founder and our first three employees. We all just worked from home. And this was back in like 2011, 2012. So it was yeah, like yeah. sort of a very <laughs> novel idea to like yes. not have an office. Um, I mean, at the time there was even some um, like hesitation of letting people know that we were working remotely. Like it was always like, oh, we'll just come to your office or, <laughs> yes. oh, like let's meet, let's meet at Starbucks. And then we moved into a WeWork space in 2012 as we began to hire more and more people and what we were really drawn to with the WeWork space which at the time was still a very new company in New York um Mm -hmm. it was we could scale and grow so as we added more people we just added more office space and at one point we had gosh probably 12 or 13 employees plus three or four interns and then partners who were coming in like freelance writers freelance designers things like that and so it was just a really easy um, transition, but I have always loved hybrid. I've always loved the the power to work from home. And mm-hmm. especially now I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old mm-hmm. and I understand, you know, I have a slightly different perspective on work-life integration and being able to work from anywhere and, and, and get things done over a, a Zoom screen versus sitting across the table from someone. So I am a huge proponent of of hybrid and even completely remote work schedules. I think this idea that people aren't able to be productive unless they're in a space together is completely antiquated. I mean, we're seeing that right now. The world is sort of collectively agreeing, but I think it's going to be very, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how white collar work grows and evolves over the next 10 years or so because there there is a huge shift that is underway right now and and I think as more people with that sort of we all have to be in the same place to be productive mindset retire it's going to be really cool to see how society as a whole changes as you know the structure of cities change the structures of our days change it's it's I think a really fascinating time to to be looking at that work life dynamic for sure. And so it's very interesting. I actually have a uh, like a 20 month old. So I don't, I only have one, not two, but I know that it sometimes can get tricky for, for entrepreneurs to, to work from home, whether, um, you know, it's, it, you have an office in the house or just like your, um, I don't know, in your living room or something. So can you give our listeners a couple of, of tips on how to organize uh, their workload if they are working from home? I mean, I feel like I, I, I'm the worst to give parental advice. I joke that I have, I have two levels that I operate on threats and bribes. Um, and at any point I may be interrupted. I, my five-year-old, I think is out in the hallway right now. He's home from school today. Um, I, I think it's having realistic expectations and something that I struggled with a lot after my first son was born. And then again, after my second son was born just a few weeks into COVID, he was born the first week of May of 2020. Mm. So, you know, that was like a whole other situation of, of crazy new dynamics, but I think it's, it's giving yourself a little bit of, of grace and understanding and not comparing post kid life to pre kid life. Like you just can't be as productive with children 
period, like full stop. Like you just don't, (laughs) you just don't have the same time that you did. You're not living in the same reality. And for me, that was something that took a little bit of adjustment of not being hard on myself because I was thinking like, well, I should be able to get this much work done. When in reality, it's like, well, no, you shouldn't. That was a lifetime ago, like a literal lifetime ago before you brought this Mm -hmm. life into the world. And you just don't have that time anymore. And you don't have that freedom. And you've got to build in margin for things like the fact that a kid might like throw up on you and the like need to go to the pediatrician or whatever. So um, I think in working from home, the the best thing that you can do is sort of just remind yourself that things are going to go sideways and try to build that margin into your day. Like I know if I set up a day where I've got six hours of meetings, I'm going to fail because something's going to go wrong. Like somebody's going to be running late or I'm going to have something come up with a kid or there's going to be like a phone call that goes over. And so just trying to like build that time, especially when you work from home and then also try to stack your most important things at times that, you know, you're least likely to be interrupted. So, you know, like your 20 year old is napping for part of the day. Like when is nap time? And can you get your most important stuff scheduled during nap time? Because that's when you've got the, the, the most, you know, the, the highest chance of not being interrupted. Absolutely. I think what you just said about setting realistic exploitations is a very important part um, of entrepreneurship in general, but especially for new parents that, that again, like they started the business, um, and uh, you you just need to figure out basically how not to get stressed out if, you know, for some reason your kid, you know, is homesick or something like that. You have to go and pick them up from school. Like you said, it, there's always something coming up. But the cool thing about that is if you work from home, you don't have to probably commute for an hour every morning. So that's probably going to be time that you can use to to uh, get ahead of your day. I, for example, wake up at 5 a.m. and I do 5 to 8, just right, right, right. <laughs> that's my way of kind of, you know, use that time when the baby is sleeping, right? Um, so, Brittany, is there anything that you want to share with us that you are working on that's coming down the pike that you're excited about? Well, the thing I'm most excited about is the book. It's called yeah. Creating Superfans. As you said, it's at January 10th. Uh, and it's it's a five-step framework that I've built over the past decade or so of working with superstar entertainers and entrepreneurs. And it's all about exactly, as I said, figuring out your story, your uniqueness, and then systematically deploying it to connect people to you. So it's a, it's a really great framework that people can use regardless of the size of their business. Um, And I'll also say to piggyback on, on what you, what you just said about, you know, setting realistic expectations Mm -hmm. and and, and not being too hard on yourself. um, There, there's an entrepreneur who I really like named John Acuff and he's, he's a writer and he's a speaker and he has a podcast called all it takes is a goal, which is a great podcast to listen to. And one of the things, so he wrote this book called soundtracks. It's all about kind of like the things we um, tell ourselves and, and how to like have a more positive um, internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. And one of his, what he calls soundtracks is you don't finish the work. You finish the day. And I think for so many entrepreneurs, like we're type A, we're driven, we want to get everything done. We want to get it, you know, we want to check, check all the boxes. And what he says, which is something that really resonated with me is like, 
you're never going to be done with the work. Like there's always something else to do. You know, even if you're like at inbox zero and there's nothing on your to-do list, like your mind is still going to say, but what about this? And what about that? So this idea of you don't finish the work, you finish the day and that's okay. And like some days you're going to kick butt and some days you're going to get your butt kicked. And like, that's fine. All you can do is, you know, take stock of it. Try not to let it bother you. Drink some water, try to get some sleep, wake up and, you know, do it again the next day. So don't finish the work, finish the day. It's fantastic. Actually, this concept is very, is very uh, good because like you said, if you have a nine to five, actually, even at a nine to five, it's possible. It's almost impossible to say, okay, I'm completely done. There's always something to do there too. But especially if you own a business, there's no way you're going to be like, okay, I'm done. Like if you are a blogger, for example, there's always more words that you can write, more blogs that you can write. I mean, there's always something to do. And like you said, um, having like that cut of time um, and wind down, it's, it's super, super important. All right. Awesome. Brittany, where can people find you online? I'm just BrittanyHodak.com. And I've got all kinds of great free resources. So uh, check them out. You can you can download PDFs and video series and all kinds of other things to help you create your own super fans in your business. Awesome. Brittany, again, thanks so much for being at the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future when the book is out. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, you as well. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.